David, guess what I received in the mail? Ooh, I'm dying to know. Dude, my new Colby Plus Full Suit 3-2, 100% Yamamoto. The proprietary jersey feels like silk. David, this suit is lighter than the than the wetsuits we were getting um, prior to this. I'm so psyched on my new 3-2. It's light and flexible, colbyplus.com. Go there and check out the offerings that... Uh, our new sponsor, Colby Plus, is offering. It's incredible. I'm, I'm super psyched on it. Uh, like I said, it's light. It's, it's, it, feels like, it feels like you could sleep in it. It feels like a soft, light, stretchy blanket. Well, I've heard about Yamamoto rubber forever. Yeah. And I've never had, I've never had a Yamamoto wetsuit. And um, I think... Previously, it's just because they were so expensive. You know, any brand that then offered the premium version of their product was made out of Yamamoto, and it'd be seven hundred or nine hundred dollars. And I just never leveled up to that. Um, so this is my first ever Yamamoto wetsuit, and it's by the way not those prices. This is uh, competes with just any regular wetsuit price on the market. I think they're around three hundred bucks, maybe even a little less for Yamamoto. So, have you had one before? Um, I mean, I'm not sure if I've, I can't say yes or no, to be honest with you. Like I've had some good wetsuits. I don't know if they had the Yamamoto rubber or not, I, but what I do know is that this thing feels so buttery. Uh, I'm, I'm very psyched on it. You know what else I'm psyched on is the more generous, the opening for ease of getting <laughs> in and out of this front zip chest zip. Suit. It's, so, the, um, it's the getting out that's the tough part, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I can get the thing on, but when I'm out of the water and I'm trying to like get it over my shoulders down is where I'm really struggling. Uh, I'll employ the help of somebody else if I'm with somebody else. But yeah, this one has a wider opening. Um, at, listeners know Rob Colby's name. We've had him on the show. He's been at the boardroom show. Rob Colby used to be president at Quicksilver USA's. Um, he was responsible for Need Essentials USA for, you know, uh, years and years, maybe seven or eight years, and then left that and uh, probably over a year ago, and he's been developing this Colby Plus line, which is essentially very few items, but uh, the plus is basically using the best material in the market to make that given item. So he's going to have bags, he's going to have a board short line, that stuff's all coming, but for the wetsuit, which is the initial launch, it's Colby Plus Yamamoto. So these are like you said, the thin, pliable, all that, but the benefit of the Yamamoto is it's also the warmest. So you have kind of the most pliable, flexible, lightest weight wetsuit, but the in construction, but the warmest wetsuit as well because of the Yamamoto. So go to colbyplus.com, check it all out. Free recycling, by the way, uh, once the suit has outlived its useful life cycle, but also one-year warranty, no questions asked, free returns and exchanges on the website, uh, free repairs for the life of the suit, and then free recycling once the suit has outlived its life cycle. So definitely a million reasons to check them out. We're big fans, colbyplus.com. And then um, talking about guaranteed for life, NVS fins, you'll never need to replace these things. Yeah, look, the G10 material, strong, thin. Um, the NVS fins, my drawer filled with the killer NVS fins that I use in all of my surfboards. Specifically, I use the um, that cutaway fin for my... Um, C-drives. The C-drive for my Ryan Seiko 
Sabre. <clears throat> I love the C drives. I love all my NVS fans. And guess what? NVS is going to be at the boardroom show. So you can come by and meet Leif and Jamin. And in addition, guess who else? Colby Plus will also be there. So you can come check out the wetsuits and try them on and buy a suit if you're, I mean, this is the season for fins and for suits. So NVS, uh, look, they're going to be at the show, like I mentioned, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to wrapping out with those guys. Yeah, me too. It's like a big get together every year for everybody that we kind of all the storylines and things that we discuss on this show. So I'm excited to see them as well. Grab a pair of NVS fins either at surfnvs.com, your local retailer, and then come by the boardroom show and check everything out. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, guy, David. Holy moly, David. It is a Tuesday. It's September 12th. It's the day after September 11th. And uh, I got all of my September 11th uh, revisiting, the revisiting of September 11th uh, taken care of. And um, I'm fulfilled. I filled up with my September 11th remembrances. That's good to hear. Um, and last week we were kind of hyping the uh, finals day. We were leading up to it. You were really discussing the swell and the direction and all of that and how it was going to play out. The event ran on Saturday in uh, plenty of surf on tap. What were your thoughts on the direction and the day that they chose to run? Well, I have some thoughts. Um, First of all, I was stoked on on the, the the decision to run. I think it was the right decision for that day. And let me say congrats to to Felipe and to Carolyn Marks, our new WSL World Champions for 2023. They both uh, deserve their victories. They both surfed with precision and uh, with a determination and a focus that we demand of our champions. So well done. But... Um, I will state this, that, that lower, lower trestles is a kid's wave. Mm. Uh, every, every day, kids and old men are surfing at lower trestles. In fact, right now, there's a bunch of kids and a bunch of old men at lower trestles. And you know where kids and old men don't surf? 10-foot Puerto Escondido, 8-foot Pipeline, and 8- to 10-foot Kandui left. And what we witnessed on Saturday was the equivalent of putting, David, and this is your great analogy, NASCAR drivers on a go-kart track. And I'm over watching three-to-the-beach surfing determine our world champions. I demand the best surfers in the world face down waves of consequences to determine... (laughs) I demand, let me restate this, I demand that the best surfers in the world face down waves of consequences to determine who becomes the world champion. I demand man versus nature, that ideal, be the number one factor determining our world champions. And you know who else should be demanding that? The WCT surfers themselves, David. It seems that the WSL is open to feedback, and now is the time. The WCT surfers need to speak up. I feel like a majority of the surfing public feels the way that you and I do. And it's time for the WCT surfers to wave the flag. We need waves of consequence. The lower trestles thing, it's over. Impassioned 
fiery right out of the gates. <laughs> Did you sit down and write this on Saturday evening after viewing it? Because that felt like uh, it was inspired. Well, this is easy to write. You and I have been kind of preaching this for a while, and I just had to kind of nail it down in, in four or five bullet points. It's, And I think I did. You did, for sure. Um, so totally agree with everything you said and think that the venue has re- a relative spot on tour, but definitely not as the final event of the season, definitely not to crown a world champ in one day. All of that, 100% true. Yeah, totally agree. We love the wave. Well, we, we, I actually thought that they did a good job of putting on an event. It has well, nothing okay, to do so with it. Yeah. That's the other thing is I love the format. Like the event was thrilling. The day was thrilling. The Leading into the event, you and I discussing it last week, there's a bunch of storylines that we can isolate and pinpoint because there's only five surfers on either side. Whereas going into a bloated normal event and there's 32 surfers, we're kind of just, we throw our hands up and we're like, I don't know, let's wait and see what develops, I guess. I'm not really sure who's going to match up or how they're even seated to match up. With this, we know what's what. We have storylines. We know his style versus his style. And we know how that's going to, you know. And then the day of, it's very engaging for all of those same reasons. And the fact that it starts in the morning and ends in the afternoon, also very thrilling. Gives you a reason to keep watching throughout the course of the day. So, while I love the format, it doesn't make sense to do this as the final event, and it's so dissimilar than the rest of the season. But what I think they have identified is this format actually is more engaging than the rest of the season. So this should be the format that we are implementing throughout the year. The question would be, how do you determine which five surfers surf at each event? And I mean, Maybe there's a uh, version of somewhere in between that we can kind of implement maybe 12 or 16 surfers in a similar format, or maybe there's a very robust challenger series and the top five surfers from any given, you know, I, I don't know, period of time, then go surf at the marquee event where it is this kind of a format. But what I do know is this was a thrilling day of surfing, even though, you know, it wasn't world-class surf like you're talking about, the format still has value for sure. Yeah, and the, look, the performances were world class. Um, specifically, I thought Ethan Ewing was next level, and of I mean, course Felipe Toledo was himself, which is he's unstoppable at at five foot trestles. But uh, again, it's it's sort well, of a bore fest. Yeah, let's. I mean, we will. I do want to discuss each of the surfers and their performances kind of in detail. So we will go into that, but just as an overview, um, Felipe Toledo leveled up, you know, Ethan Ewing, like you were saying is the highlight surfer of the event for me, almost more than the world champs. Like the surfing that he was doing was the most progressive surfing we saw, even though it was on rail and not going to the air. Um, and I, I almost, uh, cringe, when commentators see somebody do a moderate air reverse and keep referring to that as progressive, because we've been seeing that since Christian Fletcher in the eighties, you know, it's no longer progressive, but what Ethan Ewing was doing, despite the fact that it was on the face of the wave and on rail, and we've seen that for 40 years, that was progressive. That was the best version of it that we had ever seen with the most power and the most precision, getting the most torque, getting the most rotation, covering the largest area of ground all at once. So that was radical. 
But watching his trajectory throughout the day, which none of us saw coming because he was coming off of injury, so that created a great storyline. Watching that happen, I was also knowing in the back of my head, and I even texted friends about it, was like, Felipe is salivating. Felipe isn't sitting there quaking in his boots. He is going, hell yes, I am now going to level up. And so I knew that in the final there would be that clash. And ultimately the clash was Felipe incorporating airs, doing similar kind of intense rail surfing uh, on a first opening turn or whatever, and then comboing it up by going to the air, which created a point of difference. And he undeniably was, you know, I, I mean, even though we think about Ethan that day, Felipe outsurfed Ethan in both those two yeah. final heats. Yeah. One of the things that I think Peter Mel said, which I thought was fascinating, or, or I don't know if fascinating, or, or, but it was just spot on about Ethan's surfing, was that Ethan's surfing, um, he holds his speed through the turns. And I think what Peter said was that, look, inevitably when you do a turn, you're washing off speed. That's what you're doing. You're washing off speed. And Ethan, and I think Felipe too, by the way, both have this ability to do that big, massive turn, but keep the speed flowing through the turn. There's not like a, a point of slowdown where now I need to set at the bottom, do a fading bottom turn to regain some speed off the top. So I think that that was a really well thought out and, um, and just a smart uh judgment that peter made that that these guys are keeping their speed through the turn they're not washing off as much speed as the other competitors which sometimes seem a little bit boggy or a little yeah. bit slow and it's because they are relative to those two even if they're not bogging and slow they'll throw it all their energy into a turn and kind of complete the turn and have like a i don't know even a split second of satisfaction and acceptance that they completed that turn before they stand upright, look for the next section and then go into the next bottom turn. You know, there's that kind of, there's a complete turn. Now we're going to move on to the next. Whereas yeah. the Ethan thing, it's all fluid, one motion all the way to the end of the ride. Yeah. Trend, the transitions are all just part of the turns. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Caroline Marks is the other champ on the women's side. And, um, this marks the first American world champ since dot, dot, dot. Can you think of when the last American world champ was either on the men or the women's side? Uh, well, I mean, Chris, obviously Chris not more. Well, not counting Hawaii. Oh, <laughs> um, I guess Kelly. Correct. Kelly in 2011 was the last wow. American mainland world champ. So that would have been 12 years ago. But on the women's side, Lisa Anderson in 1997, also from Florida as Caroline Marks. So 26 years since we've had an American female world champ. Wow, that's interesting. A mainland American world champ. I wonder yeah, how, yeah, I wonder I mean, how Carissa and John John feel about that. I wonder if they feel like hey, man, I'm the U.S. champ, or if they're like, cool, yeah, that's absolutely right. I'm actually Hawaiian. I think I have a feeling they have great pride in the fact that Hawaii is uh, designated differently from America. Except in the Olympics. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, only in surfing it's designated as different. But yeah, yeah, so huge congratulations to Caroline Marks and an incredible performance and really was the surfer of the day on the women's side. Um, and that's a huge, 
huge accomplishment for her. Um, let's talk a little bit about Carissa Moore. I'm not sure where to begin the conversation, but let's, I guess we'll start here, which is this is the second time, second year in a row that Carissa Moore ended the season with the most points and actually ended after finals day with the most points. Two seasons in a row, she has the most points after the finals event and still isn't the world champ. She's in second place here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this kind of mathematic uh, issue? Um, I mean, it's kind of part of me is like, oh, look, this is the format that we're that everybody's dealt the same hand with here. And so you just kind of got to do it. I, I guess my my thought is always like if it was held at eight foot pipeline, Carissa would be the champion. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, somebody's going to give her a run, maybe Caitlin Simmers. But of those five women, you know, this this kind of speaks to what I initially brought up at the beginning of the segment, that this is a shitty spot to determine a world champion. Yeah. See, I think it's more than that. Um, you said everybody's dealt the same cards, you know, so it is what it is. But that's not really true. Carissa, the number one surfers are dealt a different card. They're, they're dealt... They've done all of the work throughout the season. And like I said, mathematically, she is still the number one surfer in the world at the end of this event, even. Um, so I think it's a there's Carissa can't be to blame, even though her surfing, she got out surfed that day. The format is to blame the, you know, the um, people at the WSL who designed this are to blame here. Um I mean, and it's more than just an event. It should be said that in any other iteration of professional surfing up until they've devised this plan, Carissa Moore would have seven world titles at this point to go with her Olympic gold medal. That's ultimately the performances that she's put in through the season. She's earned five legitimate titles. And then the last two that she didn't actually quite win on finals day, she did all the work throughout the course of the season to have accrued the number one points and even ended after, like I said, finals day with the most points. Caroline Marks, if you look at the points after she won this event, it's the third place after Carissa and Tyler. So it's like I said, it's beyond... I don't think they do that, though. They don't add these points up to your total points, do they? Does the WSL do that, or is that something you just did? You just, like, added 10,000 points to Carolyn Mark's total or something? Oh, no. I just went and looked at where the the total number of points are with the rankings right now. So maybe you're right. Maybe they didn't add it. I don't think they but, do, because it would give a huge uh, advantage to the number one seeded surfer. What do you mean? Well... If you're the number one seed, you're guaranteed first or second place. Out well, they five. don't. My point. Is, my point is, they add the points. It's just they don't uh, push them into first position. Like it shows. It shows uh, Carissa sitting in second with more points than Caroline. Oh, so I see what you mean. So last. So last you. year, Felipe, last year Felipe Toledo went into this event with ten thousand yeah. points more than second place. So even if second won the ten thousand, he was still going to be in first. You know. Yeah, I, mean? I just think that look. What I said earlier, this is the format. Like, it's it's, it's a failed either, format. It's undeniably a failed format, though. I mean, well, you I mean, just told look, me you like this format that you're into it and that you want to see it go down throughout this, the course of the next season. 
It needs to be worked. I liked the structure of the event for excitement and storyline following and all that sort of stuff, but it still needs to be worked. And I think there are solutions here, by the way. Yeah. Um, And so I'll give you those solutions before we get into the actual surfing of the day. Um, There needs to be a mathematical shot to compete at finals day. So like I said, if you are... Yeah. 10,000 point difference, you can't get into finals day. And so maybe that means there's only three surfers who earned enough points to go into this final event and compete for a world title. I think that would make a lot of sense. Secondly, I think that you've brought this up in the past, but events should be weighted with different point values. So it's essentially marquee events at places like Pipeline, Cloud Break, the the world-class waves in the world have you know, maybe 20,000 points for first place. Mm -hmm. And then beach breaks and wave pools have 10,000 points for first place. And so by the end of the season, you, if you perform in world-class surf, you then, you know, uh, have a better, more shots accrued towards the title. So I think little things like that can be made as adjustments to, uh, if we want to keep the finals day format to ensure that somebody like Carissa Moore, who actually is probably the best surfer in the world this year is reflected by the results at the end of the year. Yeah. I I don't want to take anything away from Carolyn Marks. I thought she surfed incredible and she, you know, but you're right. I mean, look, I ask you this, we know that pipe and sunset would be extra points would be marquee events. Would you give bells 10,000 points or 20,000 points? No, no. Bells is not marquee. Margaret river marquee. Yes or no. No, but those can be 12, you know, those could be somewhere in between. If a beach break is 10 and and cloud breaks 20, those venues could be 15. Right. Okay. Interesting. I think we can sort those details out. Maybe the wave pool is only (laughs) 5,000. Yeah, exactly. Wave pool shouldn't even be on. I mean, wave pool is not part of the discussion, to be perfectly honest. I agree. But, um, yeah, but I just, this, again, it's not just one event. It's a legacy. Like, Carissa Moore could have seven world titles and the Olympic thing and really be deemed undeniably the greatest female surfer of all time. You know what I mean? And yeah. now she's not because of this kind of little blip on the radar where the WSL decided to try something new without thinking it through all the way. You know, it's a half-assed attempt is really what it is. Do you sense that Carissa is just uninspired by lowers? Like last oh year gosh, you could be totally. like, okay, it was a fluke, but two years in a row, you, or is it so, just... I mean, it just, it's just not a good wave for her. It's just not a good wave for her. I disagree. Like she dominated lowers for so many years. I think it's bigger. I think that Carissa Moore, uninspired is the best word. Carissa Moore is uninspired. You watch her performance out there and you're just like totally predictable, totally lacking the verve that we used to see out of her. Mm -hmm. Like she has the well-rounded enough game to win those events. I just think, it's reflective of, I don't know, I don't even want to say it's reflective of a bigger life change in her personally and she's shifting. No, because she dominated the season. You know, like her her fervor for competition and all of that seems to still be there. It's something about this event that it's just like remindful of Kelly the last few seasons on tour where if the waves aren't good, you're just not really going to get a performance out of him. And even surfing against top level athletes that used to inspire his performances no longer do he's outgrown that he just needs eight foot pumping surf and then you'll see him level up beyond so maybe you're right maybe it's strictly lowers that's not inspiring to carissa 
Yeah, I just wonder what goes if she's if internally she's thinking to herself, oh, "Man, this is the worst of of the of the four surfers I have to surf against. This spot is the worst for me and the best for them." And and that kind of takes some of her energy away. Yeah. I mean, maybe it does. I mean, maybe it could just be reflective of the WSL. They're not just bungling this structure and this, you know, uh, world, world title scenario, maybe they're bungling a lot more that we point to all the time. And she's uninspired to go show up and have all of her hard work undercut by her employer. You know, does she retire? It's a great question. I mean, she's been on tour a long time. She's done, she's proven she's, she has nothing less to prove in my opinion. And you know, f- frankly, <laughs> I don't want to. I'm afraid to say this that I'm going to catch. But at some point, you you think about other parts of your life that might need to oh, yeah. be explored. You know, like, you know, and so maybe it. And I think that that's if you're a female. I think that's something that's more front and center than if you're a male. Oh, I mean, undeniably, women, you know, have um, the having a kid as a female athlete interrupts your competitive prowess in a way that it doesn't for men. And so we've seen Chelsea Georgeson leave in the top of her prime Chelsea hedges or Chelsea Georgeson when she was, I mean, I think it was just after she won a world title leaving in her prime. We've seen Lisa Anderson have to figure out how to juggle having a kid while on tour. Whereas on the male side, of course, they're just, uh, footloose and fancy free despite having that obligation at home oftentimes you know yeah um so yeah that's a real thing is if carissa wants to be a mother which i'm not even sure if she does or doesn't but that would absolutely weigh into part of her decision here and especially if again she is giving it her all and i mean look if you are a true artist let's say and you make let's say you're a filmmaker and you feel like you've made your life's greatest work in this film and then the studio re-edits everything and puts out a piece of garbage, you'd yeah. be pretty miffed. Yeah. You'd be apprehensive to go back and work with that studio again. You know what I mean? And so I feel like Carissa had these two last years as complete legacy leaving world title years, and they got undercut by um, you know, an in a poorly conceived of concept from her employer. So yeah, I think it is time for, I mean, I, not that I'm dictating it's time for Carissa, but I do believe that it could be in Carissa's own mind, a real change of kind of what's going on in her and her life and priorities and what's going on. So it'd be sad to see her get off tour. It'd be sad to see her retire, but there could also be a second life in her career that exists off the tour that could be, more inspiring, you know? Yeah. Well, well, it'll be interesting to see. I do want to talk a little bit about the surfing on the women's side. Yeah, um, for sure. Molly Pick, Molly Picklum surfs really good. She is very well-rounded, but lacks sizzle. I feel like, uh, I kind of, I expect her to make good decisions. She's in the top five for a reason. I expect her to surf waves competently, but there's no wow factor in her surfing. And, you know, it's like she gets up and riding on a set wave. You're like, she made great decisions to be in this position. Boom. First turn, second turn, third turn, combos it up. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm uninspired. 
if I'm going to sit here for the next 30 minutes watching surfing, almost regardless of who her opponent is, I find myself rooting for the opponent just because I want to be dazzled. It's like, okay, Molly surfed that wave to a seven, but I'm not thrilled. Who's up and riding? And hopefully they're going to blow the back out of this thing because I want to see something exciting. Um, and so that's, I think, something that Molly is, you know, going to have to kind of work on is a point of difference and a point of sizzle in her surfing to kind of push past fifth place, essentially. Yeah. The, I, you know, which surprised me the most of the women was Tyler Wright. I thought she surfed pretty damn good, man. That board, that Pizel she was on. She yeah. had one wave in particular where everything flowed perfectly. And she was actually doing that top turn with speed throughout the transition. Like there was no loss of speed. She, that board looked great. And that's actually the best I've ever seen her surf, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. I, it's funny. I actually thought about the surfboard too. I was like, her boards look really good. Uh, but I felt... I don't know. It just felt like the old guard. It felt like watching the old guard. It felt like maybe you're right. Maybe it's a better there, degree. There was just one wave that I saw that I was like, wow, I've never seen her surf like that. Now, granted, she she fell on some crucial moments, that, but there was one wave where I was like, wow, this is really the best wave I've ever seen her surf. And, it, you know, for the first time, I was like, wow, that was because I've never really been super psyched on her surfing. Yeah, I guess. I agree with you and I know what you're talking about because I did feel it too. And there was like a flow too. Yeah. Like she'd bang exactly. the end section and drift through it a little bit. Yeah. She looked so she free. did look she looked a little bit more free than in the past, but I there's an element of her surfing that um it looks great. It's predictable. Yeah. Like I know she's going to go front side. I know that she's going to bottom turn and do an open faced carve. Like she's not going to place it in the lip. Like to be honest, she lost against Caroline Marks and the difference was Caroline placing her turns in the lip. They both have that same cadence of like predictability. You know, they're going to get up bottom turn, open turn, open face turn, you know, another one, another one, but Caroline's placing those turns in the lip. And so there's kind of this big burst of spray and there's an element of difficulty when you're doing that. And maybe it can kind of go slide or whatever. Whereas I know Tyler's going to depend on that same front side open face gouge that she always does. And so it feels like in watching the old guard do exactly what we've seen them do a bunch before. Very different than when Caitlin Simmers gets up and riding, you know. So I, I never felt like Tyler was like on any of her waves like she was going to win the event yeah you know yeah so but caroline mark so actually caitlin simmers fourth place uh this is a rookie year by the way she finishes fourth she had a win at rio she had a win in portugal she had second in tahiti it's an incredible rookie year for caroline yeah uh, i'm sorry was, caitlin simmers caitlin was tight in this event she just she didn't quite finish her maneuvers because she was tight she wasn't flowing my advice in fact this is my advice to all competitors but for sure to people that are have some anxiety before going into heat is get a great song in your head get your favorite mm. song that you want to dance to in your head and wow. keep that song in your head and Wow. Because you know how to do everything. What you're lacking is a release. And so having a great song in your head, and I've done this in one events with great Before songs. you go foiling? No, like in longboard events, 
I, I mean, well, I used to have music in my ears when I was surfing in finals and stuff. I would literally be listening to the song. So what's <laughs> I would the song? select it. So, uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking by the Rolling Stones. Really? Yeah. That's one of them. That was your hype song. Yeah. And then the other one was The Magnificent Seven by The Clash, that bass line. Super good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. those two I could songs. see that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't think of those as hype songs, but it fits with what you're saying, which is I'm just cruising. Actually, I already know how to do it, so I'm just kind of in the zone cruising. Yeah. That's what those songs are. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I like it, and uh, hopefully Caitlin Simmers is listening right now, and she can <laughs> use this to level up. I'm sure she's got a Taylor Swift song or something <laughs> that gets her relaxed, but something that I hope just, not. You just dance, you know, just go out there and dance and just be focused on the music and don't let all the other stuff get into your head. Well, here's my concern yeah. for Caitlin Simmers. Yeah. Is um, she is what she provides to the female tour that we've not seen in a long time, or I can't even remember is raw aggression. She's aggressive. Yeah. That's something that's been lacking on the female tour for a long time. Right. And so that aggression I love and the tour needs it. And it's going to require other surfers to level up to that. So my biggest concern for Caitlin is that she's going to link up with a prudent coach who tells her, she needs to go 70% so that she completes her rides. They're like, hey, man, you're killing it. And when you connect all the dots, it's incredible. And, yeah, you, you've won a couple of events this year. You know what's going to help you get even more events next year? Dial it back to 70% and then complete the rides. And then you yeah. – no. Hell no. Yeah. So I'd prefer that she falls 30% of the time by going all out all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Because she's still winning events with falling and she's still finding herself into the, into the final five. And all she's got to do is land a couple on that day and then she'll be there. She'll be a world champ. So I really hope that Caitlin does not like, we've seen this happen before where there is a young surfer and then they've get, they get overcoached and then they learn to dial it back. Um, we've seen that time and time again, actually, and they become lesser versions of themselves. So I hope that Caitlin next year brings exactly what she brought this year. And I hope that, she brings more of it. I hope that she's more aggressive and more intense next year. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And, and I agree with you that if she does, is told to dial it back, she's not the type of surfer that knows how to do that, that wants to do that. And if she's forced to do that, it's a recipe for disaster. Or it's a recipe for the Dane Reynolds of like, I'm going to get off tour then because this yeah, isn't exactly. for me. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So the other thing here that I think was interesting that nobody's really talked about is Caroline Marks beat Caitlin Simmers in four incredibly important matchups throughout this year, including the finals in Tahiti. So the Caitlin Simmers West Coast versus Caroline Marks East Coast uh, rivalry that may or may not be developing is potential, you know, uh, battle for the next five years on tour. And that brings us to Kate, Caroline, the most most consistent surfer of the day. And to be honest, the best surfer of the day, um, not the best surfer of the year in my humble opinion, and still doesn't have me convinced that she's actually the best surfer in the world or that she might even win another world title, but I'm really glad for her. And she was definitely, she earned the title based on the criteria of the day. Uh, and by the way, I love her surfing as well. I think 
there's kind of a lack of movement between maneuvers, especially when she's on her backside. She just kind of gets in position when she gets to her feet, squares up off the bottom, and then just belt, 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 belt. And uh, it's, I mean, it's undeniably impressive. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I think she she absolutely can and will win another world title, if not multiple world titles, especially if the, the events are held at right-handers because you're right, there's a rhythm that all of us get in backside, and she showed it. Uh, once you get that first top turn and your feet are planted where you want them to be planted, it seems like going up and down the wave face backside is just kind of happens naturally for us. It must mm -hmm. be that because our back foot is just, you know, sort of like where the focal point of our energy is. It just bang, 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 bang. I think of Matt Wilco. I think you think of Aki. You think of all the great backside surfers, Luke Egan, uh, and in this case, Carolyn Marks. Once they get that backside rhythm going, it's hard to beat. And if a lot of the events are held in rights, she's got a great opportunity to obviously be in the final five. And then if it's held at, God forbid, trestles, you know, there's, there's more world titles to be had. I, I thought she was phenomenal. And I think she peaked at the great, like, you know, she started yeah. slow throughout the season and she really kind of peaked at the right time. My argument against what you're saying, though, is that metronome pacing mm -hmm. cadence yeah leaves no room for spontaneity so it looks it looks predictable there's a lot of repetition in the turns not a lot of variety of maneuvers and so it's, it is very cool to see uh but next year i don't think it scores as highly and the year after that it doesn't score as highly so there will need to be a remix and i think there is room for her like there is room for her to develop her surfing and so she needs she's going to need to find a way to remix and bring something fresh and new because the judges are going to get tired of just seeing that same metronome off the bottom off the top surfing over well over let me now. say this that if you watched and i know you did if you watch her first turn it's just a first turn in the hook her second turn is more vertical with more speed and her fins are busted out so now we've got two different turns her third turn, now she's got tons of speed. The wave face is generally fading out a little bit and softening. So she's a little bit more out on the wave face doing a carve back into. So there's three different turns there. Um, at least the, on Saturday there were. So there is some, you know, differentiation. Differenti differentiation. Yeah. Say that for yeah. me. Say that. Differentiation. Differentiation. Thank you. <laughs> so there is some. It's not just same move, same move, same move. In my eyes, because I, I remember watching it and being concerned about this. It was bang, bang, fins out, then bang on the open face back into it. So, yeah. But you're, okay. you know, you're right. No one wants to see the same thing over and over. And, uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. But huge congrats. Again, she earned it that day, undeniably. So, um, and it's just, again, bringing the title back to the U.S., to the mainland is pretty epic. Um, on the men's side, Joao Chianca uh, in heat number one against Jack Robinson. Did you have, what are your thoughts on Joao uh, after this year's end? Uh, I was more psyched on Joao earlier in the season. Um, really? I'm more psyched on Joao in Waves of Consequence. Okay. You know, I think that's where he shines. Joao, to me, his style's just a little bit. Um, lacking like it doesn't mm. look like he's 
dancing. It looks like he's doing maneuvers. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. He does definitely look like he's doing maneuvers, but I like his style still. And I guess what I like about it is there's so much spice to it. Like he looks just, you know. I like, like his fire. A, That's the thing, his fire, right? It's it's what's yeah. between his head that I like the most, that he's yeah. like, take no prisoners. That and he's got all the talent in the world. Like the rail game's insane. The airs are insane. The big waves are insane. So when you couple that with that, verve i think that he is a gift to the tour you know like having him in a heat is going to demand the best from his opponent and it's it just levels everything up there's a real and there's kind of an unpredictability to what he's going to do even at lowers when he'd be bottom turning it was like he could either do the sickest power gouge or he would do a fin finner, you know, or a tail free turn. So I like that explosive, um, unexpected kind of uh, whatever spontaneity is the word I'm looking for. But the other thing is, even though he's the total package, I can't quite put my finger on a point of difference for him. Like when he's matched up against Ethan Ewing, which he he was, Ethan's power and precision stood out. You know, it was like Joao came through a heat or two and you're like, oh man, this guy, he's on fire. And then Ethan gets to his feet and you go, ooh, there's a point of difference right there. Ethan is more powerful and more precise. And then if you think about him surfing against Felipe, Joao didn't surf against Felipe, but if he did, Felipe's speed stands out no matter who you put him up against. And so I'm not sure what Joao can do next year to reinvent what we've already kind of come to expect from him, but he's young. He's got incredible ability. So I feel like he can be a top five mainstay uh, for years to come while he sorts out kind of what that point of difference is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, Ethan, well, Ethan was obviously way better than Joao. Yeah. Well, Joao lost to, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Jack Robinson lost to Joao in that first heat. Um, uh, Due, in my opinion, to lack of pizzazz. Like, Jack Robinson, as much as I love Jack Robinson surfing, uh, he fell on the first couple of waves that he got up and riding on. I feel like he kind of undersurfed his best waves, and then he'd get mediocre waves, and he'd do whips and spins, like, on a mediocre wave. You're like, okay, this guy's got all the talent in the world. Why doesn't he just apply that to a set wave? You know, or maybe it was because he fell on the first couple of waves that he got. So he was tentative once he was on a set wave. I just feel like he lost basically due to wave selection. Um, but if you look at the top five competitors, you could look at Jack Robinson and be like, this guy is the world champ. The deciding factor on whether he becomes world champ at the end of the season is what locations on tour they run at. If you just look at all the top five surfers, I would put Jack as my pick for world champ if they ran in good surf, you know? Um, so he's going to either have to campaign for the world tour to start running in world-class surf or really figure out uh, how to be on the best waves of the day at mediocre spots, basically. Yeah. Um, I just see Jack as as sort of being another, he, he kind of, he, he was a, uh, a victim of lower trestles, in my opinion. Totally. Well, so he was left leaving, left needing a 9.33 in that heat. And it's like, we all know Jack can get a 9.33. If Jack's on a set wave, you can get a 9.33. You know what I mean? Like he is got all that talent in the world. But yes, like you said, 
victim of victim of the location and also poor wave selection. I mean, Joao ultimately beat him fair and square is yeah. what happened, but yeah. yeah. Um, last week I said he looks kind of slow out there, and I still stand by that. Jack does for some reason look slow out there, but. Power and precision. Ethan Ewing was the standout surfer of the day to me. Um, his surfing against Joao was insane. And I was like, oh my God, he came out of the gates swinging. But he's got Griffin Colapinto, who's got the you know full thrust of the beach and everything behind him and a lot of talent. And then Ethan surfing against Griff that was, was spectacular. That was the heat. Yeah, that was the heat. It was spectacular. Oh my God. This is Unbelievable. It. Yeah unpower precision it's actually impossible to put into words i re-watched the heats yesterday because i wanted to really like can't pinpoint. Be impossible to put into words dude it, it's poetry words. in motion it's poetry. Po- well, I, i'll tell you i'll tell you what richie lovett i think put it uh pretty he used a word Succinctly. efficiency efficient yeah succinctly but it was one word it didn't it's not comprehensive you know but he used the word efficiency and i thought that was spot on there's Zero excessive body movement in Ethan Ewing. It's a perfect use of energy. There's no bobbles. There's no misplaced anything. It's a lot. He is tapping into the power of the ocean and then perfectly translating that into the movement of his surfboard with nothing out of place and maximum and then perfect timing as well. So like the spray just goes beyond the next wave in the lineup. Like it's incredible. Um, I really felt like he was accessing a new gear we had not seen from him before and that we haven't even seen surfed at lowers before. And again, it made me psyched to think what Felipe was going to bring in their final matchup, knowing that they would ultimately clash. You know, what Ethan Ewing kind of reminds me of is, you know, you go to a concert and, and you see like a lead guitarist and lead guitarist is freaking, and he's kind of all over the place. He's kind of overdoing it with everything. And then you see the bass guitarist. The bass guitarist has just got a killer rhythm going boom, boom. And then they put the spotlight on the bass's first solo, and he just goes dun, dun, boom, dun, 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 dun. and it's just perfectly efficient. And you're everyone's focused on the bass player, going, "Oh, this guy's killing it right now." Interesting. Ethan is the bass player. Yeah, like it. Yes. Hold on for just a second. Well, yeah. Okay, go. I could see you squirming in your seat. I was like, maybe we need to take a break. <laughs> driftline.co promo code spit will save you 15% off the ultimate board short. Yeah. My drifties um, are my favorite. They have the wetsuit liner, the half a millimeter wetsuit liner, super comfortable, super warm. You know, in the past, I, if the water's 65, 66, whatever, 68, I would wear like a short sleeve full or maybe a long sleeve spring shoot. Now I just throw on my two mil jacket with my thrifties and I've drifties and i've basically got uh well i do have all the warmth and comfort i need and and more freedom more freedom to rip and to shred the gnar and uh i love my drifties and you and i've been talking about it for months now and um driftline.co that's the place to go what's the coupon code spit 15 percent off and i know you and i hype them but i've had listener feedback as well from people saying it's just it's the game changer full stop just this is what it is now drift line um no reason not to wear them in any environment that you'd be trunking it actually they're just an improvement upon the trucking experience so all the shapers all the shapers at the at the uh, icons of foam are going to be getting their own pair of drifties so those, amazing those eight shapers that are competing yeah their life's about to change for the better yeah, good i know are you um, kidding me 
And then also always a shout out to uh, Real Water Sports, who's been our retail partner for a long time now. And they're just such a great resource for anything that you need. Obviously, surfboard purchases, because they can ship it to you for one flat low fee. It's guaranteed to show up ding free, meaning if it does get dinged by the handler, they will replace it for you. Um, and and then, of course, we don't talk about often enough, but soft goods. They have clothing, bags, I mean... You know, anything you need for gifting for the holiday season, whether it's a Yeti or a changing poncho or anything at all, you can get it all. It's a one-stop shop is realwatersports.com. You know what? I love the idea that it's a one-stop shop because if you're a shopper like me, like I want to do my Christmas shopping in about 20 minutes. And I mean all yeah. of it. And I can just yeah. go to Real Water Sports and be like, Yeti, Rash Guard, Board Bag, Fins for Him, Leash for yeah. Her. New longboard for me, bada bada ba. <laughs> and it all shows up. All right. Well, thank you, realwatersports.com. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Before we get into uh, Ethan Ewing versus Felipe Toledo, let's talk about Griffin Colapinto because Ethan matched with Griffin in that prior heat. The story of Griffin Colapinto leading into this event was uh, a major story. The entire town of San Clemente getting behind him, the campaign developed by Quicksilver, the employment of Matthew McConaughey to create a promotional video for Quicksilver. <laughs> it was all there. It was all the death now of Griffin. There's just too much hype. Like if I was Griffin, I'd be like, stop it, you guys. Let me focus here. You know, now, you know, he's got such a great attitude and everyone loves Griffin. And look, I wanted him to win. Um, mm. But it almost seemed like he was destined not to win because it was too much too soon. Like, let's save the hype till after you win and then we'll go crazy. Well, you know. I don't know. I liked it. I, I mean, to be honest, I liked it. I don't know how Griff felt about it or if it 
did actually hinder his performance. I don't feel like it did. Um, but in the way that Brazilian fans rally to yeah. support their athletes, I do feel like um, American fans have been pretty blah over their not, athletes. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm okay with the enthusiasm. I just felt like uh, as a strategy, as a competitor, I personally wouldn't want all of that on me. Like, it, it just too much. I'd, I'd rather be the guy that no one's, like Ethan, like no one was even considering yeah. him. You know, he was like, totally. oh, who's, oh, Ethan's in it? Okay, whatever. But again, I do agree with you. I enjoyed the enthusiasm. I thought it was, I'm stoked for the city of San Clemente. Like, I just felt like they might have done a disservice to him. Well, you know, it's it's easy to say in hindsight that, yeah, if you don't actually deliver on everybody's expectations, then it yeah. really does feel like a kind of extra big letdown. Yeah. All the printing expense. How much did Matthew McConaughey charge for that? You know, like it really felt. And the other thing was it all came together. I feel like in 72 hours, you know, like if they had dropped that Matthew McConaughey video a month prior, you could have got your, the mileage out of it. But it's yeah. like that video came out a day before the event and so then a lot of people were witnessing the video after the event had already finished and it's like oh griff didn't deliver you know then there's there's a little bit of a weird like oh that didn't age well basically. and the boat you know the boat out there had to immediately pull the griffin for the world champ sign <laughs> off the side of the boat <laughs> exactly you know what was weird is in that mcconaughey hype reel he says griff you might find yourself vying for a world title, needing an 8.93. That's the exact score that Griffin ended up needing against Ethan Ewing. Oh, really? That's funny. That's yeah. Um, but look, Griffin surfed amazingly. Yeah. He came up He came up short against Ethan Ewing. Yeah. Ethan's... His first wave was great. I mean, that first left that he caught, I don't even know if it went in his score line, but it was like you immediately went, okay, this is going to be good. Griff's on his game, you know? I don't know. Yes, I 100%. The difference, though, between those two surfers was Griffin looks spry, but he looks like an adolescent compared to Ethan Ewing, who looks like a man. Yeah. So Ethan I don't Ewing's, know what that means. Ethan Ewing's next level. Ethan just really, I mean, really, I mean, did not, nobody expected. We didn't even really discuss him. I think last week we wrote him off. I certainly did. Just like, he's coming off of injury. No, no point in discussing him. And this is the best surfing we've ever seen from him. Yeah, Baldy told me that he Ethan Ewing was he was like, look out for Ethan Ewing, dude. He's he's looking insane. So well, uh, anyway. and then and then of course after Ethan gets through Griffin Colapinto, he meets Felipe Toledo for a best of three matchup. And Felipe Toledo did exactly what we all anticipated Felipe Toledo can do. Uh, and I already kind of mentioned it earlier, but variety was the difference. Ethan Ewing, we had seen him surf in, I don't know, three previous, two previous heats, uh, two previous heats, I think. And so, and ride probably 10 excellent waves in those two heats. And so it's on rail. We've come to expect it. He did it again against Felipe. Felipe did equally as big of carves and then threw air rotations into the mix. So variety was what won the day, I think, for Felipe Toledo. 
Can we talk about what's really fascinating, <laughs> which isn't mm. Philippe Toledo, but which is Kelly Slater's hip surgery, just taking all the air out of the Philippe Toledo <laughs> victory. <laughs> he tried. I don't feel like he did take the air out, but it was an attempt. <laughs> Kelly Slater hip surgery announcement happens. <laughs> it's just so great. It's like, hey, I'm here and I'm not leaving. Uh, he's had a labrum reconstruction. It removes some scar tissue. The bone spurs on the femoral head uh, shave the socket joint and remove bone pieces and foreign objects floating in Kelly Slater's hip joint. A significant surgery, three months out of the water. He's going to be back. He's going to keep an eye on his physical therapy and his dietary intake, of course. Lots of deep tissue massage and maybe some other protocols, including PRP and maybe stem cells. I'll look into it, is what he said. <laughs> Which is all co that whole PRP stem cell thing is like, if that was just available to the average guy, we'd all be so much healthier. You know, like just give me the shot. I know it's illegal, but. I'll fly to Venezuela or wherever. I got to go to Costa Rica to get the shot. But yeah. anyway, Kelly uh, Slater. Is he so retired? Do you think? No, I don't know. That's no, I'm going to say no, he's not retired. Will he ever um, retire? Do you think he will ever retire? Do you think no, there will ever be like when he's like 70, he'll be like, all right, I'm hanging it up. <laughs> I Nope, I don't. I, I mean, honestly, I don't think that he will continue to surf in every event throughout the season but I see him doing a slow transition into surfing the best events of the season via a wild card spot. Like if, if the waves are pumping in Tahiti, he's going to show up and they're going to give him a wild card. Yeah. You know? All right. But I, I don't see him mustering the courage necessary or the passion to surf surf ranch, to be honest, you yeah. know, he's never been a threat at surf ranch. And then obviously Brazil, he hasn't gone to ever. So, Events like that, he's not going to waste his time on, but I see him still wanting to surf the best waves in the world against top-level surfers. Um, but Felipe Toledo, dude, I mean, two years in a row, back-to-back. -back. What are your thoughts on Felipe? Will we see him again next year? Does he have any relevance if finals day is not held at lowers next year? I'm not... Um... Philippe Salido doesn't excite me. I'm just, just being honest, you know, like, yeah, I'm not taking away any, he's an incredible surfer, but I don't sense that he, he reminds me, he, he's kind of like, he's like Steph Curry. He's kind of unstoppable. Like he can just drain 75 three pointers from half court. And actually, Steph Curry excites, excites me, but I guess what I'm getting at is that he's predict he's his performances are so sporting, and so yeah. uh, they're just it's his dance that lacks. I, yeah. I don't I just sense that he's out there to score points, and I don't think he's dancing. Yeah, and he surfs incredible, and and if I. I, you know, I'm just, for whatever reason, and it's just me, it, it has nothing to do with him. It's all, this is all about me. And I just like, I like the spontaneity of, you know, of these other guys. Like, I, I guess 
I like watching Rob Machado surf. I like watching Tom Curran surf. I like watching Ethan Ewing surf. I like watching, I really like watching um, the goofy foot Clay Marzo. There's a lot of guys oh, yeah. that I'd rather watch surf, and I don't really – I'm not excited about a heat with Philippe Toledo coming up. Like, I'm rarely like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch the Felipe heat. I'm like, no, I want to watch the Ethan Ewing versus – you know who I – Yago Dora. I want to watch Yago Dora versus Ethan Ewing. By the way, I think Yago yeah. Dora would be – Yeah, I hear you. Uh, the context in which you were raised and you've had all of your surf experience uh, – is the polar opposite to that in which Felipe was raised. Felipe was raised in this NASCAR environment where you put the biggest stickers you can on your board and you shave seconds off the lap. And so he is the best at doing that, you know, and it's yeah. just, it's hard to relate to for guys like yourself. And I, and I relate to what you're talking about as well. Yeah. So again, it's I'm impressive not, I don't want to, to see, take but... anything away from him because he's our world champion. He's insane and he deserves to be the world champion. I'm but just, I'm just not I excited. I just, I'm not excited about it. I, so I think that's exactly it. As you said, he's our world champion. I don't know that he is like this. This isn't ours anymore. Like the version of what they're doing that was exemplified through his surfing on that day. Isn't really what you and I identify as surfing. And even though we wanted to embrace competitive surfing for a long time, it could have gone one of two ways and it went w the opposite way that we would hope was reflective of an actual surf experience. And now that it's just trying to be sport so hard, you know, when it was trying to be surfing, but we're going to create a couple of rules that figure out who the best surfer is on the day we were still in, it abandoned all of that. And now is just trying to become sport. All of the uniqueness that made it surfing has been washed away and now it's just trying to make it objectively like every other sport on the planet and so you and i don't relate to it anymore so is he quote our champion i don't know no i don't really think so because he won't surf he won't paddle into a wave in tahiti you know uh <laughs> but he'll sit on the shoulder at pipeline yeah. but is he the world surfing league's champion undeniably he is their guy you know like he does their thing the best it's yeah. just not our thing yeah that's a great yeah. way to put it he does their thing the best it's just not our thing that's exactly it yeah hey i've got well, a hard out let me tell you real quick um the wave pool in oceanside for the southern california listeners it was put on hold it's called ocean camp it is being built and it looks like they're going to be open the pool is actually going to be built in 2025. It should be open in 26. I know that you know, sounds really like that sounds like a wave pool timeline we've all heard before, you know. But uh, but literally, like they are, um, they've got graders out on the land. They're like grading the land, like the development's happening. It's a 92 acre parcel, and the 700 housing units as part of the California Lifestyle Community Development, which. Uh, is good news for all the surfers in Oceanside and around here and basically all of Southern California that have been waiting for that thing that's was on the docket for a while and it looks like it's moving forward. Interesting. Hey, uh, another thing. Yeah. Yeah. The boardroom show. 
Ben Gravy autograph signing. Ben Gravy got a booth. He's got a new line of hard foam surfboards. And the Ben Gravy um, autograph signings both days. So if you're a fan of the YouTube influencer Ben Gravy and who isn't, super cool guy, um, come out and meet Ben Gravy. Tom Kern and Pat Kern, Tom's son, playing music. There's a book signing with Tom Kern and Jimmy Medico around the um, Shaping Surf History book that Jimmy Medico put out, Tom Kern and Al Merrick, 1980 to 1983. There's also a boardroom talks discussion in which Jamie Brissick is moderating with Jimmy Medico and Tom Kern. Um, there's the boardroom talks flying on water, a surf foil discussion with foil industry experts. There's a boardroom talks, War and Peace, Kelly Slater and Andy Irons, a talk story photo exhibit with Steve Sherman in his, at his booth. And um, a boardroom talks, Ricky Rossi and Vince Longo from Future Fins talk about fin validation through computational fluid dynamics. And all of those boardroom talks uh, at the boardroom show October 7th and 8th, among other things. Amazing. We will be there. Also, let's just give a moment to shout out the Shaper rankings that the WSL and Visla put together this year for the CT, yes. since we're talking about surfboard builders. Great point. All, all of the uh, top five ranked Shapers were represented on finals day. Mayhem actually won the first place position in the Shaper rankings, and he had Caroline Marks, world champ. Griffin Colapinto and Carissa Moore riding his boards at lowers. Sharpie, Marcio Zuvi and the team at Sharpie had Felipe Toledo, world champ, and Jack Robinson riding his boards. DHD had Molly Picklum and Ethan Ewing. Pizel had Tyler Wright, and Channel Islands has Joao Chianca. They've been working on that board with Joao, the um, two-point pro is what they're calling that board. And uh Really, that board's looked lively under Joao's feet throughout, especially the beginning of the season. He came out hot and heavy on that thing, and they've been refining it. And I know Britt was with him at lowers all week long, um, working on boards. They had an asymmetrical board that Joao was riding out there. So um, congrats to all those shapers. And then there was one surfer riding Chris Borst's surfboards uh, as well, and that was, of course, Caitlin Simmers. So shout out to all those shapers and their contributions to the pointy thruster and high-performance surfing. Yeah. Yeah, if you can ride one of those boards, more power to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if not, come to the boardroom show. We've got boards <laughs> that we can all actually ride. I know. And some of those guys will be there too, right? So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Big And congratulations to all those guys, all those shapers. They're, they're all good guys and friends of mine, and I'm stoked for them. And I actually was... I, I reached out to Matt. I'm like, hey, is, is the WCT giving you an award or anything? Because I was thinking, man, maybe we should just do an awards thing at the boardroom show. But um, apparently they're going to do something at the first event of the year at Pipeline. They're going to announce the Shapers winners, I think. That's okay, what I think. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Treeswax, of course, will be at the boardroom show as well. Uh, treeswax.com if you want to grab it before or if you can't make it to the boardroom show. But, Scott, they'll be there for sure. Hey, I love my trees wax, uh, organically sourced, organically made, healthy for the environment. But what's really important, super sticky, it's super progressive. Yeah. So 
trees that's the thing it works as good as anything else that you've ever used but it's petroleum free so why wouldn't you use it you know um and then and then a couple of retail shout outs we love to direct business towards retail any chance we get so seaweed and gravel in lucadia anacapa surf and sport in oxnard and cayucos surf also carries trees wax good stuff well you said you have a hard out do you actually have to go right now or can i give you one more segment no, I got to go right now. I have a 9.15. Okay, go for it. I'll I do have other segments we week. can do next week for sure. Um, Save them. We'll sign us off. Then. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, until next time, adios and aloha.
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.